0: Podcast.
1: Welcome to Wrench Life <laughs> with the Y, because there's nothing as good. There, damn it, there's nothing as valuable.
0: It's feeling good. Uh, yeah, brother.
1: And I am uh, your co-host. You can call me Wrench. I'm here with with Blaze, the usual duo. The other co-host. Great, right? because there's two co-hosts. Yeah. That- co-host.
0: When you have to. Uh, my okay. brain doesn't work today. Is it that way? That'd yeah, you're, be you're pretty good. All Your
1: right. levels look okay. <clears throat> this is like episode seven. That's it's crazy.
0: crazy. It's, it's like, a fast, like poetry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I have been busy, and I know we got to do the Freudian one. No, we did the Freudian one. We got to do the Young one and the Micronutrition one, but I just wanted to maybe take a step back because they've all been pretty dense and just kind of talk about life a little bit. Like Sweet. you said earlier, uh Matt Smith has been following your restaurant drama. It's pretty great. So, so I thought I could try to like pull in a little bit of you know the, at the bottom of the infographic, which is behind me. If you're watching if you're not, it's uh slash philosophy You can find this image. The bottom like the whole system st- stands on you, you know. And you and your goals and your values. <clears throat> In that order. So I just want to talk about you, and by you, I, I mean, you know, we kind of need to uh, identify you a little bit, right? Oh, okay. But I was going to open up with just uh, a little statistics, some, some statistics, okay? <coughs> statistics. Uh So this is a survey of teenagers between 13 and 17 done in September of 2018, right? And this is... Uh, they asked them about problems, and they'd say whether the responses would be, whether is it a major problem, a minor problem, or not a problem? At the top of the list for severity, we had anxiety and depression, where 70% of 13 to 17-year-olds say anxiety and depression is a major problem. 26% said minor problem, and only 4% said not a problem. Hmm. Now, we don't know if that is in relation to their life or their perspective of like life you know Mm -hmm.
0: especially if they're when they're on facebook everyone's complaining about their anxiety and depression and then the
1: next one down is bullying which i did that podcast about bullying on the uh, breaking free speech podcast 55 percent say bullying is a major problem god so soft
0: everyone keeps telling them it's a problem
1: yeah and then 35 say not a problem 10 or 35 say minor 10 say none drug addiction 51 major 35 minor drinking alcohol 45 major 39 minor 16 say not a problem poverty 40 percent of 13 to 17 year olds in the united states believe that poverty is a problem 47 say not a say it's a minor problem 13 say it's not a problem Again, you don't know the context of that question, whether it's within their lives, within local or global, right? And let's say teen pregnancy, 34 say major, 44 say minor, 20 say not a problem. Gangs, 33% say it's a problem, 38% say not a problem. That would also probably be relative to geographic location. Mm-hmm. So one, <clears throat> So. I basically wanted to say, you know, for the outline... I wanted to open with that graph and t- touch on a couple things and then say how I want to point out in this conver- – I have a lot of graphs for this one. That giraffes. Giraffes? Giraffes. hmm That when it comes to statistics and reporting on statistics, you know, it's not always as clear as it may seem. Mm-hmm. Like we just said, like if you were – this study, it says – It was teens ages 13 to 17, conducted on September 17th through November 28th, 2018. Uh, And, um, you know, where was that done will dictate a little bit of the answer, right? So I want to basically point out that, you know, everyone should kind of be fact-checking and wary of the details within the statistics that people share to you.
0: I also always think about, especially with a survey like that. Thinking back to when I was in like middle and high school and getting a gra- like a yeah. survey like that, and being like, this is stupid. Like, uh, I'm yeah. going to write down that I'm like a 35 year old Filipino male because it's funny. <laughs> and then just like not answer the questions at all. Well, the scary thing, <clears throat> not to get
1: too political here, but <clears throat> you know, the Democratic Party right now, one of the p- things their platforms are on for the 2020 election is lowering the lowering the voting age to 16. Why? Well, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> um, well, if you look at this poll, and I'll tell you why the poll is pretty pretty uh, uh, reliable in a minute. If, you know, if half of the teens think that poverty is a major issue, you know, and bullying is a major issue, a lot of those things are kind of in line with a lot of democratic philosophy. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if they wanted to lower the age, they know they are seeing it as, oh, we can pull these people into our voting pool. Mm-hmm. If if <clears throat> if thirteen to seventeen year olds right now are trending to be more conservative, there's no way the Democratic Party would be pushing to get them into the voting pool because mm-hmm. it's not going to help them because they don't actually care about what helps. They act about they care about getting reelected yeah. for the most part, although there's varying variants there. <clears throat> um. So, I thought it'd be accurate here. Because we're going to talk about millennials, I just want to outline exactly what I want. Everyone's like, what the hell's a millennial? It's like, I never caught that Pokemon. <laughs> there are also sometimes called echo boomers because they're the children of baby boomers. Mm. So it's like, they're like, it's a second boom, but a smaller boom that's echoing, right? <clears throat> Generally, according to Wikipedia, they say it's people born in the early 80s through the early 2000s. But uh, PBS, CBS, ABC, the Washington Post, LA Times have all defined it as 81 to 96 Mm. in years of birth. Now, all the poll, the study slash poll I talked about earlier, and then I'm going to use it in all the subsequent polls for this podcast are all from Pew Research Center. Pew Research Center. Pew, pew. And they define millennials as also 81 to 96. So that generally is the consensus. 81 to 96, you're a millennial. Now, that last poll I was just talking about was actually people younger than millennials. Hmm. But still. um it so,
0: Gen X, Gen Y, or something?
1: Uh, it'd be Y. Um, so, according to. Um, hmm. <clears throat> well, according to Wikipedia, which is according to Pew Research, they say as of ni- 2019, the Pew Research Center defines millennials as born 81 through 96. They chose these deaths because. Dates because of political and economic and social factors, including September 11th, the Great Recession, and the explosion of the Internet. Hmm. Yeah, but they also said it it is still somewhat open to interpretation, so Millennial is still, I guess, a little bit vague. Uh, But other publications have adopted this per what Pew Research says, which is uh, Time Magazine, The Washington Post... We'll all say they'll uh, all reference the Pew Research definition of it. <clears throat> now we're talking about Pew Research. Maybe you've never heard of it. Uh, I got into that little talk with a friend the other day about uh, religion and stuff, and I cited a Pew Research poll, and it did. They party uh, I was debating with didn't agree with the poll, so wanted to throw the poll out because they thought it must have been a conservative viewpoint. Because that I wasn't really necessarily arguing a conservative viewpoint, but anyway. <clears throat> Pew Research, this is uh, according to them, which is also their, what they are defined as on Wikipedia is the same description as they're defined as on their site. So mm-hmm. the Pew Research Center is a nonpartisan American fact tank based in New York. Uh, sorry, I don't know I said New York. It says Washington, D.C.
0: <laughs> what? New York's the greatest <laughs> country in America. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it, it provides information on social issues, public opinion, demographic trends, that shape the United States and the world. It also conducts public opinion polling, demographic research, media content analysis, and other empirical social science research. The Pew Research Center does not take any policy positions, and it's a subsidiary of the Pew Charitable Trusts. Okay. Hmm. Now, because it's Pew, you know Pew, the pews and the uh, the church hallways. You you might be inclined to believe that maybe they are on the on the right
0: <clears throat> i think pew like the the gun nuts always pew, say pew pew, pew.
1: um pew, pew. oh man i must have deleted this thing that was on here
0: was this the the were you reading off of this website the other day when you were just like railing off random statistics which i guess is all the time on the podcast at, or? no at the skate park we were hanging out and you were like that was railing.
1: the one based on how often people pray
0: what?
1: I was talking, so I was talking to Troy about whether religion is important or not, mm-hmm. and I was saying that, you know, a good amount of people just need guidance with their moral compass, mm-hmm. and that's reflected in a lot of the big psych, psychologists, like with with Freud, he had we talked about like the herd or whatever, and like that there's people that just need a little. There's a whole spectrum, right? Everything's a spectrum, like gender, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's certain people that can co- contemplate existential things and think bigly think large and they don't really need help with morality they can just dissect it themselves Mm -hmm. and then there's people in life who if they have you know a faith group a strong family a good partner you know everything on their side they're still going to deteriorate into like a life of just you know nonsense and Mm -hmm. whatever because they just there's a spectrum of people how much guidance people need you know Mm -hmm. so i said to you know the the argument on one side was that religion is dumb and nobody needs it, and my argument was that well it's not dumb and some people do need do it. do need some, some aspects of it. Like I wasn't like they were arguing black and white, and I was arguing it's gray essentially. And I said, Pew Research study this year said that fifty three percent of Americans claim to pray daily. Hmm. And uh, try sorry I don't want to get out his name. Uh, he was like, that's ridiculous. That must be a conservative. Blah blah blah. And I got the Pew Research study through an article from Vox Magazine, which is a very left, very yeah. left-leaning online magazine. But an interesting fact about that study, which would be a cool, cool fact for the podcast, is that—and this is the only country in the world within that study that said this—less than 50% of Americans say they're religious. Mm-hmm. It might have been termed deeply religious, but 53% of Americans say they pray daily.
0: That's really interesting. So
1: there's probably like five to seven percent of the U.S. population, which is probably like something crazy, like tens of millions of people mm-hmm. who say they're not religious but pray every day. Hmm. It's pretty fascinating, right? Interesting. Which I like. I used to be like religion's dumb and stupid and doesn't freaking matter. But once I got into mindfulness training, it's like, well, to sit down and and to say to yourself or to some omnipotent God or mm-hmm. whatever. To, to acknowledge the worst parts of your life and thank, you know, thank something for the best parts of your life is essentially like low resolution mindfulness
0: training. Yeah. Well, I always, I was always under the, the same, not the <laughs> same guys of like really just stupid and dumb, but yeah, you know, I definitely used to think that, but then it's like stuff happens. You're like, There's, that's too coincidental. That's too weird. And sometimes you're like, maybe there's something a little bigger or whatever. Well, the problem is that the when, universe is so big. <laughs> yeah,
1: when you're when you're young or if you're like super science-minded, you look at religion only for its fairy tale aspect. You forget that religion is a really multi cuz if you don't care about it, and you think it's dumb, why are you going to spend any time to think about it? Mm-hmm. But then you realize there's there's religion play, plays a lot of different roles. And there's certain roles it played in the past which are obsolete because better things came along like science. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of write off that stuff. But there's other things. It's kind of like a wiki of knowledge, you know. And when we get into uh, union psychology, there's things that echo in that with archetypes and everything. Mm. Um, But the thing I deleted from my outline here was that there's a website that I now don't remember what it was. But it was about like fact-checking biases. Let me actually, I can look it up right now
0: uh jamie pull it up yeah
1: right i saw there's a jamie pull it up shirt or like pull that shit up or something oh, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> so i googled pew research bias right mm-hmm. and what i got was um so this is the website media bias dot com and some of the fact checking sites are kind of biased which is h- hilarious because yeah. But uh, according to media, media bias slash factcheck dot com, they say they rate this. They have a spectrum of extreme left to extreme right. Mm-hmm. Their this Pew Research is least biased, being saying very central, mm. um, and they're also ranked as being uh, they have like a <clears throat> like a numbered score for like how where would it go, whatever. That it basically says they're very very data oriented, and not biased. So that's one of the points I was going to say. Like, when you see a research or an article or a study or anything, whether it's about some study or or supplement, it's like you should always double-check it. Like, third-party testing is really, really important. I don't know why browser switched to Yahoo search. Weird. Conspiracy theory. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so to to give you an example, what Pew Research does, is this is is the first thing on their site right now, and it's the percentage of people... Percentage who say Trump has done blank in distancing himself from white nationalists, right? So it's either say too much about the right amount or too little. So generally, the popular who people were polled for the study, seven percent of people said he's done too much to distance himself from white nationalists. Those might actually be white nationalists who said that. Uh, About twenty nine percent of people said he did about about the right amount, and fifty six percent of people say he's done too little to distance himself from the white nationalists and then they broke it down to people that identified as dem dem or lead dem or republican or lean republican so 83 percent of people that (laughs) lean democratic say trump hasn't done enough to distance himself from um white nationalists so you could say generally a poll like this could be skewed by geographic location based on you know who they're polling and Mm -hmm. where where their leanings are so i don't know but that generally their site is just loaded with all kinds of studies and research like that. So they're all over the place. <clears throat> so we're, before we jump back into millennials, once you tell me where you're at, Blaze, because this is we're going to try to tie this into your your life, but I'm not saying you're like a dumb <laughs> millennial and I'm not saying millennials are dumb. I'm kind of a dumb millennial. <laughs>
0: Maybe. I don't know. What do you mean where I'm at? Like where I'm at with my life? What, what well, so
1: mean? some people are interested in your uh, your restaurant story. So,
0: oh, I don't know. Well, first of all, I don't. How old are you? Twenty four. Jeff Gordon years old. <laughs> what year were yeah, you 16... born? Ninety four.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So you're on the tail end of a millennial. Yeah. I'm on the first half. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't. Know. So obviously you work in a restaurant. Yeah. Talked about that. How long have you been working in restaurants? I've been working in restaurants since I, I think I was sixteen. I got my first dishwashing job. So. Like Eight years I've been in the industry And you did
1: some schooling like You did a vocational program through school
0: I I don't know, I think I've talked about it on the podcast But yeah, I I went to vocational school For uh, two years in high school Um, I think (laughs) I think it's a super important thing That was Uh, like the latter half of high school? Yeah, so I found out about it I think my sophomore year Because one of my friends was in the the Bosey's culinary program And I probably wouldn't have graduated high school uh, if I didn't do that I couldn't I didn't find any like anything else that interests me or um could get me to like do work <laughs> other than cooking yeah. so like all my other grades were like C's and like terrible barely passing and then I was an honor student in high sc- in the, the vocational school so then one way or another you ended
1: up working at probably one of the most reputable restaurants in yeah, you, know, you could say the greater <clears throat> Rochester area as if there's any ro- good restaurants outside. Well, there
0: is actually like in the in the outskirts, like in um, the Finger Lakes and stuff. There's actually okay. a lot of really good restaurants. Oh, it makes but, sense. Yeah, so in like the distilleries and um, uh, wineries and stuff, there's a lot of good spots. So how did how there. did
1: you end up working at such a good restaurant?
0: Uh, basically, I got an internship through that culinary program, and I worked <clears> at what was the best restaurant in Rochester for many years, and was the first um, high end. Oh, yeah, uh, like bistroy type, I guess uh, restaurant. I don't know how to describe it. Two Vine was was yeah. a huge deal twenty years ago, um, and so I got an internship there, and from there I worked with one guy who worked at somewhere else, and I kept following him around until eventually I was at the bakery, and then through them being next to uh Cure, I got a job at Good Luck just mm. from just knowing people, which is a cool thing about um the restaurant industry, so you can just. You know, I don't, I until last this year I didn't have a resume. Hmm. So generally, it's not hard
1: to get a kitchen job generally because they're always looking for cooks.
0: Yeah, basically, if you have a pulse and you can hold a knife, you can mm. probably get a restaurant job.
1: But so, <laughs> easy to get in, but hard to climb. Would you say?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it, it de- hard to hard to climb depending on where you are in the industry. Where you're, now is where,
1: there a big difference between like just like. A random place that makes food in a place that like like I don't know gives a shit about their food, like yeah. is there like a for, line?
0: <clears throat> um for sure. I mean there's there's fuck there's <laughs> there's a billion restaurants. Oh yeah. Every pl- you know, every place that serves food you could classify as a restaurant and most of them don't care. If you if you say take like a diner, for example, yeah. like a just a generic diner. Almost all of the food in all of those diners is exactly the same and made in a factory and reheated. Mm. And, like, you know, if you look at a menu, it has, like, chicken fingers and onion rings and all these different, like, fried foods. It's almost just all boxes of bagged frozen food that you just throw in a fryer. And where
1: you were working is not like that? No. (laughs) Anything frozen? No. Is the the ice ice frozen? Yeah. They actually have, have
0: three different ice machines there of different sizes.
1: Why? Why'd you do that? Um, so is it art, is it artisanal ice? Yeah, Itisanal actually, art? there's
0: there's four different kinds of ices there because they there's a guy in Rochester that makes ice cubes and sells them. They're like a dollar a piece. They're like those perfect inch by inch or two inch. by He piece. makes them. Yeah. Or he free? He freezes water and sells them to restaurants. Yeah, they're like wow. Yeah, that's how that's okay. how. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's super nice. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be if you're he selling sounds, frozen he sounds water. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's terminally chill. Oh god. Um, so, and that's that's the that's a whole nother thing. That's the craft cocktail movement mm. that it, this, the perfectly distilled and clear ice cubes are a a thing that all these people want to have. So we would have these the big square ice cubes, which are cool. Those are the the, um, the normal cocktail ice cubes, yeah. um, pebble ice, and then we had a, a ice machine just for the kitchen. Okay. Sorry. Go on yeah, really really, We don't
1: really need to talk about ice. <laughs> Abolish ice. Um, so you ended up at a good restaurant. Yes. And did, did you, did, where, where did you, what, like, so you have different stations in the kitchen, right? Yeah. Like, so is there, is there, is it, is each, like, obviously there's a hierarchy. There's people that just are just like preparing food and then there's like something
0: management or whatever. Mm-hmm. Are, is every station kind of the same Yes and no. There's entry level stations and higher level stations. And what you would, would work dictate a higher into. level station? Um, Is it just busier? More complex? Yes and yes. So, uh, like. Decisions the, between ice? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So, what would differentiate? Like, I started on what's called uh, garbage or pantry or salads. Um, hmm. that's a that, that is an interesting one because it can be a bunch of different things it could be really simple or you can make it very intricate mm-hmm. and um eventually work my way from garbage to pizza to fryer because you don't make any friends with salad yeah you don't make any friends with salads so i want to make some friends yeah um so we went from that to f- yeah, we well probably to don't fryer worry to about overcooking
1: or undercooking salads
0: that too yeah you're basically for the most part you're just putting dressing on greens and, mm. you know, it's it's a lot of knife work and it's a good place to start because you have to, it's usually it's, they're responsible for some of the uh, the most things. Like if you look at the garmage prep list, it's like 35 different things that you have to be, but a lot of it's simple stuff. Like I need to open this bag of greens or I need to clean these greens. But then you go to something like fish or pizza and like, or fish or pasta, which would be um, usually more menu items. More intricate plating, more uh, challenging techniques in mm-hmm. cooking and more time intensive things like there'd be some things on the menu that would take many days to prepare, and you'd have to hmm. understand your your um, pars and how many things you have yeah so you'd be to, prepping a couple of yeah. these out, so you'd yeah. be
1: working with multiple timelines, which is generally can be difficult for some people, yeah,
0: okay, so I work my way all the way from there to what would be the top of the 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 hierarchy in the um in the on the line so mm-hmm. the, as as i was the i was at the top of all the cooks i had done every single station i understood every part of it and i was uh um promised a, 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 a w- i was promised a the a, a promotion into the sous chef position which would be more management yeah more management based and for so that I, would
1: involve what like ordering
0: Yeah, which I was doing, like I was ordering all of the, uh, all the produce and the dry, and all the, all the stuff that the kitchen needed. Let me just step back a second. Generally in the kitchen, how many like levels of position are there? Like obviously the top is the chef. Yep. The chief. The chief. Yeah. So um, this guy named Escafier in like the early 1900s, I think in France, um, implemented the brigade system in the kitchen. So that's. It's militaristic and hi- hierarchical. Yeah, hierarchical. Uh, hierarchical. Um, so we go um, chef, uh, chef de cuisine, and the chef de cuisine I always describe as like if uh, say Gordon Ramsay has a hundred restaurants or whatever, mm-hmm. which I think he actually does. Um, he is the chef of every restaurant that he owns, but mm-hmm. he has a chef de cuisine who is also the chef of every restaurant. So there's one chef de cuisine at each restaurant that handles the things. the chef or owner would do while the owner chef is not there okay so under them would be the sous chef i think everyone understands that that's like the second chef that would be like um that would the chef the cuisine
1: generally be in the kitchen all the time yes yeah so it's like the chef the chef the
0: main chef may not be exactly so like the main chef would be responsible for like you know um giving the general outline of what the restaurant is about the food and making big decisions like hiring and mm. front, you know, managing maybe the front of the house stuff, depending on how the restaurant's set up. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the sous chef would be, um, the assistant to the chef de cuisine. They handle again, a, a lot of it's just like, um, delegating tasks, um, that the chef may not have time or mm. need to do. So the sous chef would, you know, um, sometimes do the ordering, uh, and you know come up with specials and be a proficient line cook so as the sous chef you're basically the most proficient of the line cooks and also taking on a managerial role so like the chef would pick kind of like the style of food
1: and what kind of dishes and then the chef de cuisine would be like yeah. Well, these are some dishes within that realm that my staff is capable of doing. Exactly. And then he would turn to the sous chef and be like, "Go order the stuff so we can make this." Yep. Based on how busy we are or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Yep. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So it kind of just it breaks up the the tasks because it, and in some smaller operations there might just be a chef and a sous chef and mm. maybe a yeah, line but, cook. Yeah, yeah. And but you know if you're looking at a bigger picture, um, that's it. So um, under that was is called the uh, chef de partie or the line cook, the mm-hmm. chef of the station um and so that would be you know each at least at good luck you know each person man's their own station and you're responsible for making sure you have all of the things you need for that station and being ready for service and working service every day so did you work every station there yeah apparently i was the f- well, only person to do that and then you were pseudo
1: sous chef they promised you so you took on additional responsibility yeah uh, in exchange for a. uh an actual promotion in the future.
0: Yep. Yep. And that was um tied up a lot of uh that tied was tied up because of um a project they were opening a space next door hmm. and the person who I was would be replacing um was going to move over to that space next door. So because because of that space didn't get built um as fast as they wanted it to because that never restaurants a lot like skate parks never open when they're supposed to. There's a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of red tape and. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, contractors, whatever that, you know. So that just didn't. Uh, so what did you do? I quit. Oh, geez. <laughs> so that just didn't happen the way I, I wanted it to. Um, so why. When you quit. Mm-hmm.
1: What if I asked you the day you quit, you would say what? Tell me why you quit the day you quit uh exactly what we just said
0: yeah i mean i i i felt as though i was um promised something that didn't come when it was when i was told it would and how long ago is this now 3 months ago was, well 4 months when i put my notice in so so now
1: would you would you still agree with everything you said the reasons you quit are still the reasons you quit
0: <clears throat> yeah i'd say so i i think a lot of it went the way i thought it would um I, I don't doubt that I would have gotten this promotion eventually, but I was I was frustrated in the way it was handled.
1: So in the perfect world, well, in the perfect world that you'd say, well, I'm quitting, and they're like, well, no, don't quit. Stay, and here's the raise, and here's yeah. everything you want to do. It's not a perfect world. But in a, a more realistic version, uh, what happens after you leave a restaurant like that, which is a pinnacle restaurant in the area? Um, well,
0: I... What did you want to do? I wanted to move. I wanted to move because I, I feel as though um, there's nowhere else in the city that I would learn what I want. I would learn as much as I can. I would not be learning as much at, you know, I don't think there's anywhere else. There's no other chef in the city I want to work for and learn from, barring um, next door because I, that, I can't work At least work that there, you're... That I'm able to work yeah. at. Um, so I wanted to move to expand my... Because, like... Like I said, I don't have a. I didn't even need a resume until this year because just, well, just working in the city, I can find jobs easy enough. But a resume isn't important. Is just as important as a degree in yeah, a culinary because sure. uh, a degree is becoming something that's um, chefs don't even care about. You know. Uh, well, yeah, barring yeah. some realms, um,
1: you get like a degree in in uh, gender studies, <laughs> cuisine.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's like. Um, a lot of these kids come out of these culinary schools, like the Culinary Institute of America, the CIA, um, and it's like a hundred thousand dollar degree, and if in a field where you're you're lucky to make 40, 50 grand a year, you know it's mm. not <laughs> yeah. Not...
1: And if you've never been in a kitchen, man, they should just throw you in a like a like a deep fryer to grill in a busy bar on a Saturday night and be like, yeah,
0: do this for six months is like, and, and then learn the hard stuff. Exactly. And yeah. that is so these kids come out of this school thinking, well, I have this degree. I'm so good now. And then you, you put them on the line and they can't handle it. And yeah, yeah. if you put me, I might not know all of the technical, um, different recipes or whatever that some of these kids might know, but I could handle my own on a line better than most yeah. people. And that's, what's not as teachable. You know, you could teach a person a recipe or, a um, a technique, but you can't teach work ethic and um holding your own in a busy situation for, for sure so, so where are you now i'm at a a different restaurant and it's uh the first time i've just had a job a job job in a in a long time where i just needed work and it's it's just different it's uh it's a different pacing it's a very different restaurant you know i i'm coming from a place where i if i i i <laughs> I didn't have time to stand still and hang out. So this is a lot mellower. It's a lot mellower, a lot mellower. slower, a yeah. lot easier. Just because less responsibility. Yeah, for sure, way less responsibility. At the end of my my good luck stint, it was. Uh, Would
1: you say that having less workload and less responsibility has made your life less meaningful?
0: Yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel I feel, uh, I feel a little lost. A little like uh, it. It's. You know, I was pouring my whole life into what I was doing every day, and now I'm, I'm not. I just kind of show up and make my hands do things, and then I go home. I don't See, have to do much. It's like that
1: expression, it's
0: not about the uh,
1: the destination,
0: it's about the journey. Yeah. But
1: obviously, without a destination, there is no journey.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm not working towards anything. I'm not uh, like trying to work my way up anything. I'm mm-hmm. just there doing my job every so day you're just which is a weird content. thing because yeah because well, you're you're content yeah you're not
1: satisfied yeah
0: so. i'm not challenged or uh anything and you know I, I, <laughs> i'm trying to be careful because I, I you know I, I want everyone i know to end up people might listen you know, yeah, yeah on a yeah. podcast and so i don't want to i don't want it to sound like i'm talking crap about everybody Mm-hmm. Um, even though I do that a lot. That's a that's i <laughs> I've a, been trying to get a lot better at it's that. It's a
1: skill I've been working diligently on for years and I'm still not good at it. Just trying to be honest and real and and not, you know take anyone down a notch. That doesn't even if they do deserve to be taken down a notch, it's like you don't want to do that in a public forum.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I'm realizing um
1: this, of... this isn't like the thing about what we're doing here, it's not about like we're talking about what's like the things that are happening externally that we are internalizing so it, it, we're not actually trying to talk about the people you work with and the restaurants you've worked at and how, what, how yeah. what people have done to you we're not we're not talking about the fact that your boss just let you leave we're talking about how
0: how you let yourself leave and yeah. what you're doing after the fact and in his and in my chef's mind um, and I've talked to him recently and he still definitely feels the same way is that he did everything he could to help me and get me towards the goals that I had. And in his eyes, I just wasn't, um, I wasn't, I didn't want to do it. And I, and I, he's right in that I didn't want to do it his way. And I think that's kind of where he and I butted heads and we're both stubborn. And I think that's,
1: yeah, that's pretty much where I wanted to go. It's like, how, how, has your perspective changed now that you're in this other position and you feel, you know, probably somewhat trapped.
0: Yeah. It's, um, uh, <laughs> I I definitely would have done things a little different. I probably would have stuck it out a little longer. I don't think I would uh I don't think I'd still be there right now. Maybe, I don't know. It it's it's weird cuz um my mentor is leaving there and I don't think I would stay unless I got hit was moved into his position, which I don't think would have happened. I don't I probably wouldn't have stayed. Um, well that would be
1: difficult if you've worked every station and you you would certainly know more about the inner workings of that kitchen mm-hmm. rather than over any other person they'd hire who because none, none of them have done that so it yeah. puts you in a weird position for sure
0: yeah so um so yeah it, it was it's been a i think what i'm frustrated with now is that like i said to you at bantam the other day was like um this is my backup plan and it's frustrating to sit there and, and look at myself objectively and figure out what I want and what I need and where I'm at, uh, and just do it, do the thing that sucks. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a perfect segue
1: there. Cause I wanted to transition back into, you know, talking about millennials and like the fact that you are willing to sit down and, and be like, well, I feel this way. And, and, trying to be honest with yourself about the mistakes you made or didn't make mm-hmm. and also honest the fact that had you never left you would never even have the perspective to do it because the perspective is is a, is a crazy thing to have it's like that you know i love talking sh- sh- shit on memes there's that yeah. one meme where it's like it's a six on the ground and the one, and one cartoon character's like that's a six and the other guy's like no it's a nine yeah it's like okay idiot it's like yeah it's they're it's both in a six and a nine and a million other things that you can't see before we jump back into millennials, I think we should do our mindful moments now, because hmm. we're like, we're pretty far in now. Yeah. So, um, what do you you got one for me?
0: I got a beautiful one from last night. That was pretty good. Well, let's uh, do a little bit of that. You know, it's
1: everyone's favorite. It's a great. I've been listening ever since this episode.
0: doing that and listening to that once or twice a week is a, is a mindful moment in itself well i, I picked that
1: carefully because that rising motion and then when it comes out it's like a
0: yeah it's like an exhale yeah so last night i i got out of work and i hadn't gone to the gym and like i didn't to the yesterday or today and i was like man i i was like tired and i was felt like i could go to sleep but i never do. Um so I knew I'd just like waste time all night. So I was like, "All right, I gotta." It's nice out. I can get my bike and I'm just gonna do a ride. And I just I put a Jenny in my little uh in my little cup holder, and uh I rode down to the Jenny River Bridge and I just uh I just drank my Jenny and I rode back around the city and I rode home. It was just nice. I sat down mm. on the bridge and just looked at the city and thought about how nice it was. That's a really
1: good <laughs>
0: reflective moment. I'm, like, trying to, like, be conscious to have
1: more mindful moments because I've been working so much. It's always, like, I want to say I'm, I'm stressing, but it's not stress in the traditional sense. I'm just, oh, I'm very aware of all the things I need to do and the deadlines I have to do them, which are self-allocated deadlines, you know. So Yeah. Oh. But I had a really good bike ride the other day. And I had a good moment, and I can't, it's, like, escaping me now, which is sad, which makes me realize I should pay attention more
0: that ride on monday was a pretty wonderful moment in itself that whole ride was pretty awesome the oh yeah bike had, ride.
1: that was a great ride
0: yeah that was fun getting spoiled on a three thousand dollar mountain bike
1: yeah that ride was great i had a really good ride with the girlfriend the other day yeah that sounded really cool oh uh, just like those as the weather is changing is getting nicer and you know the snow is melting in the sky like I've had a lot of like small ones I'm just riding and like it hits me for a second where I'm just like dude this is just awesome like yeah that I could just well we were saying I was saying you the other day and I had the same conversation with the girlfriend about how when you're riding down the river gorge here it's like you're only like a quarter mile from being basically in the city in the suburbs or the city but it's like you can't see it yeah you can kind of hear it but it's like there's the river you're in the woods you're on a trail it's like you can it's amazing that we can have that here and get that feeling like you're away from the chaos of life but you're also really close
0: i get that at ellison a lot whenever i would be yeah great around this time of year i'm usually injured upset about some girl and this is just by looking at That's what's interesting about my facebook time hop mm. is like very rigid patterns in my life are in Around these months, it's like, oh, I'm excited to ride bikes. I'm like, today sucks. I'm hurt, and some chick <laughs> broke my heart, and I'm sad. But it's nice out, so I went and walked around Ellison or something. I used and... to call
1: it the winter girlfriend season.
0: <laughs> got What do the millennials call it now? Cuffing season? Cuffing? Yeah, I don't What's know.
1: cuffing? I don't know. I think that's like... like yeah, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> I had a Facebook memory today. I, I, I get these occasionally. Um, It's like my... Girl, old girlfriend you know from high school you know she's all happily married and everything and it matured into a, a beautiful growing woman and everything and we were just dumb kids back in the day but we, I get those Facebook memories I know she must get them too and mm-hmm. it's just like so weird to be like and I thought about that movie um... God the gr- girlfriend made me watch it the Jim Carrey movie uh, like the memory movie Spotless Mind something Spotless Mind uh-huh. it's like about this like crazy thing where they can erase your memories of someone it's like it was like too sci-fi ish
0: for me to really kind of get into that what prompted the dumb wasting your time on a movie with someone you love tweet. um well yeah i i can't think of a bigger
1: waste of time with someone (laughs) you love than just staring at a screen yeah it's like i'd rather just like gaze into each other's eyes like you and i are doing right now please (laughs) yeah i was thinking about that though like like I get these Facebook memories, and you're like, oh, whatever. Like I hold no negative emotion or animosity there, and I I don't believe she would either. And then you see it, and it's like, oh, okay, well. When I was mad and younger, I'd be like, nah, fuck, fuck that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, it's, you know, we shared some time. Yeah. And it's cool, and and like it crossed my mind for a second. I'm like well, I could just delete the turn the memories off, like we could filter the memories out. And I thought about that movie, like, oh, no, 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 you don't want to filter out history, yeah. you know? Then you're gonna be like.
0: Well, what an interesting thing! Like, what other generation has had access to their previous self on a daily basis? Yeah, and I don't. I'm sure most people don't think about it the way you and I are. Well, yeah, like in line with what I just said
1: to you about perspective and everything, is, and I just not real. I'm realizing now that I just pointed out the same thing. I look used to look at it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but you know, generally <laughs> speaking, I think life is pretty beautiful, and we need to um, appreciate it more. Every single day, um, yeah. We that's should okay. do like we should have people call in with their beautiful moments. <laughs> we did the show live. Uh, do you got you got any angry moments or uh, chaotic anxiety moments?
0: Uh, I witnessed one at work yesterday. Mm. That was pretty funny, like a chaotic one. Yeah, that's nah, not.
1: I bowled last night. I didn't lose my temper, so that's that's pretty good.
0: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we had a. To... They left the bumpers up. So we just bowled with bumpers? Oh, hell yeah. That must have been great.
1: <laughs> Dude, and Josh is going to bowl one time, and a- as he's on the backswing, I go, I make this noise, and he, he like throws the ball wide, and it pole jams the front of the bumper, and it's like so loud. And then it hits the... It goes like basically 45-degree angle across the lane, hits the other bumper, and it like <laughs> bends all the way in, and it goes ding, ding, ding down the lane, and then... Also, we were the only people there last night. There was no one else bowling, no one else at the bar. So then when it made this loud noise and we're just hysterically laughing, everyone at the the bartenders are like, what are you laughing at? We're like,
0: nothing, nothing, (laughs) nothing. We're just really bad at bowling. Oh, geez. I still, uh... Nate still won. Well, he looks, he just, he is a professional bowler. Look at him. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yes. Push out the
1: jives. <gasps> Bring in the love. We're going to jump back in. Basically, we're just going to talk about some some graphs here in, in context to what, you know, Blaze talking about his perspective, you know. Um, here's a poll. Again, this is st- same poll as earlier, 13 to 17-year-olds. So these are people younger than millennials. Uh, this is broken down by gender. And it is uh, priorities.
0: There's got to be a lot of graphs. There's a lot of genders.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so generally, as 13 to 17-year-olds, uh, boys uh, are 93 and women are 93% in uh, having a career they enjoy. Hmm. Okay, so pretty much unanimous. 95% of teens want a career they enjoy. Now, not having perspective on, uh, you know, the work that goes along with that or the pay that goes along with that can lead you to really uh, be in a state of anxiety and depression when, you know, getting uh, the job you like is something no one's willing to pay for and then you can't pay your bills, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: 13 to 17 year olds, again, about 81% are, uh think it's important to uh, be helping other people who are in need. So that's cool. It's good to see people care. Here's just, here's some here's a little bit of a disparity. Having a lot of money, right? Forty one percent of girls think that's a high priority, and sixty one percent of boys do.
0: That's probably in relation to the forty one percent of girls who want. <laughs> yeah, it's equal. They think the, is the, important. The boys
1: are like. Well, what do the girls say? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I, but that's because subconsciously, I'm sure it's pretty clear that um, women pick males by social social socioeconomic status and it doesn't exactly work the same way the going males picking females
0: i was just listening to that on uh the peterson thing yesterday something about how you have like twice as met some weird statistic with your female ancestors and oh yeah the um it was how um how many more factors women use to pick a mate than the other way around or something yeah because like men are kind of dumb and they're like looks good ah in yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> perfect i didn't mean in like in a yeah. sexual way um about 40 percent 47 percent the number it's 45 and 50 average to 47 think getting married is important that's mm. kind of crazy uh 39 to 41 percent say having kids is important and 9 to 14% say being famous is important which is kind of crazy i think that would be higher but like we said you know it depends on the statistics who you're asking and all those things but that's you know that's general stuff so here's here's the here's one of the a political thing to keep in mind here as of 2010 there are now more that's when the graph of Gen X and younger, which would be y- millennials and Y, have now passed in the amount of boomers and older in voting. Hmm. By by a, And by 2018, it's they're vastly different. So these millennials are making the majority of political decisions. So that's why these things are really important.
0: If they vote.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I got a couple of graphs here to point out, how, like there's that myth that people think uh, we have it worse than our parents. Like we're the first generation that has it worse than our parents. It's like, okay, how are you? How are you uh, measuring that? You know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, uh, this is a great graph. So this graph is um, employment statistics for ages twenty-two to thirty-seven, and divided up by gender. So in the baby boomer era. Well, one thing I want to point out about this, which is is great, is that they use employed, unemployed, and not in the labor force. Right? So you can look at this chart. I'll show you. When you look at the women, there's a lot that are not in the workforce. And you look at men, there's very few men that are not in the workforce. Probably about a, at least a 50% mm-hmm. disparity. And that's one of the things when, they look, when you look at gender equality employment stuff, like the gender pay gap myth. Yeah. It's because a lot of women are not in the workforce because they're doing that beautiful, amazing thing that men can't do, which is (laughs) talk about their feelings. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Which is have children when women leave the workforce. Obviously, you can't work and have a kid. Mm -hmm. And like your kid is the most important thing in the world, so you need to take care of your kid. Exactly. But even this chart shows we've come a long way in uh, the last forty years, for how how much women are in the workforce, right? Which is great. So we are making progress. Oh jeez, hold on. There's actually a great website, um, a, a, a page on Pew Research called uh, "How Millennials Compare to Their Grandparents," and it's like sixteen of these charts. Mm. So you could just look that up. Uh, so going back to the kids. So these are things that uh, are are causing kids stress. <clears throat> so this is broken down by do they care a lot, do they care somewhat, do they care not too much. I'm not going to break down all the numbers, but most kids in high school are concer- are very concerned about getting good grades. Like 61% of them are concerned about getting good grades. 29% are really concerned about looking good.
0: Hmm. It's important.
1: <laughs> uh but yeah, this chart, this is on that. What I said it's uh, Pew Research how millennials pair to their, compared to their grandparents. This is just showing what they care about, you know, and it looks better than, like, when they're polling these thirteen to seventeen year olds. It seems like they kind of like have a decent head on their shoulders, right?
0: Yeah, pretty good moral. But compass. then you get in,
1: you get into the millennials, who are older. It's like something's not manifesting in real life, you know. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one. This is a forty percent of uh thirteen to seventy year olds feel bored every day. How do you feel bored? It's I don't
0: they, these kids
1: don't know what being bored is before the 85% internet. Five percent of teenagers say they feel bored between sometimes and every day. That's insane. I don't get that. I would just feel tense and nervous about the day. Twenty nine percent every day, forty five percent sometimes, thirty hmm. percent wish they had more good friends, twenty six percent get only twenty six percent get get excited about when they stud, study something new in school, <laughs> but like, so these these are showing the main concerns kids have. It's like feeling bored, being tense and nervous about the day, and wishing they had good friends. Those are all within your control.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't like so
1: showing that like they. They have they have an idea of what they want to do, a g- pretty good head on their shoulders what they want to do. But then the things that are bothering them seem kind of silly, like feeling bored and feeling nervous about the day. And I gotta imagine that those those trends, ten years later when they're twenty, between twenty three and twenty seven, play out in a in, in a greater way that has led us to this existential panic that millennials have, and thinking the world is crumbling down and and believing like the world's gonna crumble in 12 years if we don't do something about the climate or whatever
0: if you've been to the middle of the country just move everyone there I'll be fine yeah so obviously like when
1: you look at these charts and you look at these graphs you want to you know question them fairly question and make sure you always question them any any news outlet that has any sort of political ideology can take one of these charts and be like like if you want to say kids are great, You'd be like, well, 61% of kids are concerned about getting good grades. Um, 27% of them are, are fairly concerned about getting good grades. You so, you, so you could easily say, oh, 80% of kids are concerned about getting good grades. Kids are great, right? But then you could take the same thing, the same exact chart, and be like, oh, well, you know, uh, half of all the kids uh, aren't don't care about being concerned in extracurriculars. And so. it's like they're almost the same argument. And yeah. you just skew it different ways. You got to be concerned about the phrasing, clickbait headlines, all those things. Like, they always talk about it. Uh, they'll use it with mainstream media bias, where they like, they'll skew perpetrators of crimes. A lot of times they use it as a racially charged argument, where they say, like, loving dad kills whole family for like the white guy, but then they'll say, they'll use something
0: else for like a black guy or whatever. I saw this one. It was like a. Yes amazon warehouse robot like um like had an aerosol can or of like bear mace or something i don't know and was spraying it all over the warehouse and people were reposting it on facebook like oh the robots are taking over and having i looked at the article and the way it sounded like is you know there's just arms that go around in the warehouse and it probably picked one up punctured a can and just kept doing its thing and no one uh, stopped it so it's like people are like oh people just picture a robot like bear macing employees and you just read it it's the same thing you read into it and you're like oh it's just a mistake like it's not you no know, it, it, it it was that, that that was sort of a revelation for me it, it's as stupid as it sounded like oh yeah all these have, most headlines are just Stupid. Mm. Like it's just click 80 yeah. stuff. Well, yeah. Like I knew that, but that was just like a wow, that's people didn't read this at all. <laughs> like if you looked at the article for two seconds you'd understand. But
1: uh I'm just glancing down this chart and it's just fifty four the one the one of the parameters here is feel targeted by law enforcement. Fifty four percent say never. And then 7% say every day. That's crazy. All right. So, yeah, the point of this podcast, I wanted something that was more like kind of a casual conversation. Not so uh, dense as the other ones were Mm -hmm. because the little bit of feedback I'm getting from the... We've moved from six to ten listeners now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's
0: actually (laughs) pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah,
1: like I want people to be skeptical and critical of, of headlines of charts, of graphs, especially when it pertains to anything about political hysteria, anything, anything that there could be a narrative behind, like, look at the counter-argument. Like, there's constant, like, I follow, um, if you're on Twitter, you should follow Nina Trey, Treyjo. It's like Trey Holtz, it looks like, but it's Treyjo. She wrote The Big Fat Surprise, mm. uh, and that book was basically going over all the research on food and how we got fat wrong. And how basically where we started to figure out, you know, the studies that were done that made people think eating fat was bad for you, that it uh, raised your cholesterol, your small particle LDL, and how it's not true. I think she read something like 10,000 studies, journals, or reports, like basically read everything she could find from the 60s until now, Mm -hmm. and then wrote, you know, the big fat surprise to the double entendre because it's about fat. Mm Mm-hmm. But one of the things she does on Twitter – she was actually on Rogan a while ago. Hmm. One of the things that she does is she constantly retweets bad articles about food or like – and it makes it so apparent how skewed your information about food is. Like she'll post like a New York Times article and it's like it'll be a misleading headline that fits the traditional narrative of what's good and bad for you Mm food-wise. And then it's like, well, then you actually read the article and it actually doesn't support the claim in the title – Huh. And a lot of times, the the people that write the articles don't pick the titles either. Interesting. Editors, you the editors will, will pick the title. Hmm. And they talk. I've heard a lot of a lot of writers t- talk about that. How they'll write an honest article, and then the editor just picks a clickbaity title that works for their demographic that doesn't reflect the article. And most people don't actually read the article; they just see, you know, USDA says insert X or Y. Yeah. Like we talked about all the time, I, t- I talk about this all like it's my public service announcement. Uh, ibuprofen is terrible for you. It's scary bad. On every ibuprofen, it will ha- it now comes with a FDA warning, mm-hmm. and people don't know that. Our our one my, one of my customers' moms is a nurse. She's a, she works in a hospital, full time. She did not know that. I told her that. She didn't believe me, and then she came back like next time she brought her kid to the park and was like, "Dave, I gotta say, I didn't believe you." And then I, I looked at the, the ibuprofen in my house, and I, I couldn't believe it. It's like, because they've been telling you, when when the FDA or the USDA or the media tells you one thing for X amount of years, they can't just turn around and tell you the opposite, because it makes them look bad, so they just quietly do it. Like, they've slowly been changing uh, food food labeling regulations on stuff like with fat and with salt, and they're like, because there's nothing really wrong with fat, and there's mm-hmm. nothing really wrong with salt, as long as you get it that act. and Adequate amount of water in your diet. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. To go back to just a to touch on the ibuprofen, it, chronic ibuprofen use defined as, I think it's two or three times a month, yeah. hardens the walls of your veins yeah. and it raises your risk of heart attack and stroke. Yeah. Also this week, I think it was this week, the it's FDA... So scary. The, People take ibuprofen like candy. Oh, I used this to. This is better. This week or last week, it was definitely within the last month, the FDA came out and said... They've re-synced the recommendation that taking aspirin every day lowers your risk of heart attack. They found a bunch of studies have proven that chronic use of aspirin has negative health benefits, and it does nothing. Like for for decades, it was like the miracle Take, here. take I take um aspirin. baby aspirin every yeah. day. Well it turns out actually that's more likely to give you an adverse health problem than to help you. But they can't just like if they never said the other thing. And then this, uh, this study came out. They'd be like, crazy new finding, you know, whatever. But because it's... It oh, ca- we were wrong. Yeah. Like, that's why when, like I keep saying, when, when the sulforaphane glucoraphanin becomes the next superfood and everyone's like, broccoli sprouts, brussels sprouts, carciferous vegetables, they're going to be like, yeah. Yeah. But when they, when they realize they were wrong about saturated fat, they're just like, oh, we're just going to, you know, like,
0: you guys can know this if you want. <laughs> it's, it's
1: just scary. I mean, you got to be like, so yeah, that's why I love Twitter, because if you find the right people on Twitter that care about certain domains, they'll filter all the content for you. Mm -hmm. Like when a lot of new stuff happens, I like to wait a couple days, and then the best articles, because I I try to follow people that are way smarter than me, the best articles usually float to the top, Mm -hmm. and then I'll read those articles. Elk Meat, DMT, Dr. (laughs) Rhonda Patrick. (laughs) She's low-key, babe. (laughs) Yeah, Rhonda Patrick is great. Like, here's another example. of So she, we were just talking about uh, vaccines and autism. Mm-hmm. You know that autism autism causes vaccines? Um, so there's an article that was just published uh, in a medical journal that Rhonda shared that said there was, they found a link between, uh, I think it was pesticide exposure, prenatal pesticide exposure and autism. Mm. And I was like, wow, it's pretty crazy. And we always say um, correlation does not mean causation. So this study was it was kind of a loose study. So I like I clicked on it and the popu- one of the uh popular replies to it was this other scientist being like this is a bad study. You shouldn't be sharing this. It's not entirely clear. And then I was like, "Oh shit, is Rhonda the wrong?" So I clicked on that guy's stuff and I started I read the back and forth between these two scientists talking about it and her defending her her point, hit him defending his point. And she's like, "Well, yeah, it's not super clear, but it's clearer than anything else you've had before and it's definitely there's other studies that have been similar to this that have shown similar things so that's why i believe it's worth sharing so it's like you know for me 2 minutes of looking into it, it's like all right cool so i looked at the, i read the article on the study looked at the numbers like all right so this is somewhat pertinent you know it's not it's not chiseling stone but it's better than you know and it makes sense like pesticides and herbicides that are illegal in Europe that we still use. It's like well yeah. it, because there's issues with it it, it causes cancer it's, prenatal exposures is certainly gonna is it prenatal? Neonatal? I don't know. I'm yeah. not a freaking doctor. That'd but yeah, be to but, work. you go uh, to work. Oh my I didn't realize how late it was. <laughs> All right, yeah, so we'll just wrap it up. So yeah, be uh be skeptical. Make sure you're looking into your uh, stuff. You never know when there's. You are fake news. A lot of fake news out there. <laughs> you are fake news. So yeah, That's hopefully. A good one. I like that. Hopefully this was uh, not too rambly and just a nice break from the really dense stuff. I'm gonna do some homework and get some more out. see. Sweet. Was well, a minute hour. So yeah, this is wrench life. With a Y. Nothing more valuable than feeling good. Let us know what you think. Yes. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends or on Facebook or whatever. Just help get the message out there. We want to make your life better. We want you to feel better.
0: Trying to get to 20 listeners by 2020. Yes, 20 <laughs>
1: listeners. by 20, That's our new motto. 20, 20 by 2020. But really, I want to make your life better. I want you to feel better. I want you to get up every morning and not feel groggy like Blaze does. Yeah, I feel awful. We're going to work on that. Yeah. I think you have a food this, intolerance.
0: Yeah, probably. This changed my life. All right, I got pee.